welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast, where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and you share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Ladies and gentlemen, today I have one of the guests that I've been waiting for such a long time to get on this podcast, even though I talk to her probably on a daily basis. But I'm excited for this interview because I get to share with you guys one of the most amazing people that I've ever met in my life. And this is my mentor now. I'm so happy to say that she's my mentor. She's a really good friend of mine. She's like a second mother to me. And this is Frances Rios. And Frances Rios is the CEO of Women Who Lead, and she is an expert at women advancement and inclusion. So if you ever have questions about women and making sure they advance their careers and reach their full potential, she is the person. She is the best. I am so blessed to have her in my life. So without further ado, Francis, welcome to the show. I'm so excited. How are you? Oh my God, Danielle, thank you for that introduction. I feel, wow, wow. Thank you so much. And thank you for being such a great mentee. You are, you are extraordinary. Thank you for being in my life. No, no, thank you. And, and I know we, so this episode is all about five strategies for, for women to master the interview. And we will get there. But I also want to talk about our relationship because it's such a great example for students to learn from because we talk about the best goal to learn, the, to reach any goal. The best way to do that is to learn from someone who's done it. And so when I first was introduced to Francis, Francis what, were individuals that knew me like, you need to meet Francis. You know, what you're trying to do with students, Francis has already done it with women. You know, you're so passionate about helping students. Frances is very passionate about helping women. Frances is a international keynote speaker. She holds one of the largest women conferences in the Americas. She has multiple companies that helps women, and Frances will talk about them. And so she is a great person for you to talk to, and never would I ever thought that this person that I was like, wow, she's amazing, she's doing some amazing stuff, that I can now text her and we have such a good relationship. I'm just, I am truly, truly blessed. Thank you. <laughs> I'm speechless. That's so rare for me. Um, you know what, Daniel? I have to congratulate you because not many people dare to take risks and ask other people for help. And the interesting thing is that when Daniel came and approached me to be his mentor, I told him, you know what, Daniel, everybody comes to me and ask me for the same thing. So I don't have any mentees right now because at the end of the day, people don't do what we agreed they were going to do. So I gave him an assignment and I gave him a due date. And for, to my surprise, not only he was on time for the assignment, but his homework, his assignment was perfect. Um, and that's where he convinced me, really, that he was, or th that my my time was uh, was it was great for me to invest my time on his on his person. So, if everybody has a mentor, their careers, 
their lives would be improved by 100%, but you need to put the work. It's not about having somebody there and asking questions if you're not going to do what you're being suggested. So if you do like Daniel, that he approached me and that he really takes seriously this relationship, then your career is going to go to your to its full potential. And let me, I guess I'm very strategic, and so I am very... When I, when I do things, I'm very intentional with this. And so I talk about mentorship in past podcasts, but this is a great dialogue to have now because, correct me if I'm wrong, the more successful you become as an individual, the more people are going to try to reach out to you for help. And it's not that people don't want to help when they get to a level of success. The problem is that they don't want to waste their time. And the fear is that if you say yes to everybody, then you don't have time. And then when they don't keep up their end of the bargain, then you waste time. You feel disappointed. And I think that that happens to me where a lot of students will reach out to me for advice and say it to mentorship. And I now give them a challenge that is not for me. The project that I'm giving them is not for me. It's for the student's best interest. And you're right. Like nine out of ten students don't fall, don't go through with it. And when they do, I go out of my way to help them. And so whenever you gave me that challenge, I knew and I understood that if I did want this relationship to work and I, I needed to make sure that I put in the effort and show you that every second that you invest in me, that I won't take it for granted. That I, I'm actually going to take your advice and execute it. If not, why would I ask? Well, the thing also, Danielle, is that our relationship is, a, is not a one-sided relationship. Um, when you are in a mentor-mentee relationship, you have to be aware that both parts have to benefit. Um, probably people would say, but what could Daniel do to help you? He's a whole different generation. Um, he hasn't been that long uh, working as a speaker. But the thing is that, to my surprise, this relationship or Daniel has helped me tremendously as well. Um, so take advantage of having a mentor from an other from the other gender. If you're a woman, have also a mentor who's a man and vice versa. And most importantly, find ways to collaborate. If you are a mentee, not only think about what you can get, but also think about what you can give that other person. The more you collaborate, the more both parts can grow. I, I think that is a very important key that you touched on. And if you've listened to the episode about my networking philosophy, is I am always, when I was talking to Francis even the first time, I'm always thinking, how can I help? How can I help her? What value can I provide? And if I personally cannot, who do I know that can help her, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe I, at that moment, didn't know how I can help Francis, but it's going to take a couple of times as we continue talking. But do I know someone that might be a good connection to her that can help her? And I, and I think that's the thing I, I tell students is just think, think. If maybe you can't, who can that you know? Mm -hmm. And... Danielle, is very important. It, it's wonderful that you have a female mentor and I have a, a male mentee because we bring to the table different perspectives based on our genders. So if you're a woman, yes, go ahead and get a female mentor, but also make sure, please make sure to get a male mentor who can give you a different perspective or ways to approach situations that otherwise you wouldn't get. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a great segue to really what this episode is about. And 
I wanted you to come to my podcast, not because you're my mentor, even though that's a great reason, but the reason is because a lot of my audience is women. You know, Mm -hmm. the majority of college students, over 50% are actually women. And so I can't think of a better expert in women advancement than you. So I wanted to come invite you so that we could talk about how can women, you know, really master that transition from college to career. And one of those things is the interview. And so when we're talking a lot about what would be a good topic to talk about in this 30 minutes, we talked about interviewing because that's some opportunities that women have when it comes to interviewing. So I'm going to let you talk about, you know, point number one. Okay, point number one, ask. You need to dare to ask. Um, sometimes people tell me, you know, Francis, the thing is that I sent a resume, but they haven't called me back. It's um, I have to submit the resume electronically, and I have nobody to ask. You know what? That's a lame excuse. Go to LinkedIn. Ask around. Do a Google search. Go to the media. Find out who are the leaders of that organization in particular, of the leaders of the department that you are trying to get into. And you know what? Send them something. Send them a note. Send them even flowers. I remember one time I was trying to reach the governor of Puerto Rico, and I could not get a hold of him. And what did I do? I sent him flowers. And what happened after he got them? He called me immediately. So if you have a plan to get into a company, Find out who the person, uh, who, who, the person who's gonna be taking the last decision on of whether or not they hire you, whether or not they're gonna call you. Ha- find out who that person is and connect with that person. Forget about the emails. Be different. Those kind of people are receiving hundreds of resumes. They're receiving hundreds, even thousands of emails. Do you want to be like the rest or do you want to differentiate yourself from the pack? So if you want to be different, if you want to be unique, if you want to stand out, do it differently. Send them something that they can see, feel, and touch. I I love it. I absolutely love that idea. And you know, the only thing I would say is that this should be done actually before the interview. Like you should be able to do the research, know who is the decision maker and start building that relationship. But you know what's what's going on, Daniel, is that what I see from years and years of working with male and, and female uh, uh, women and men is that men tend to take more risks. Women always tell me, oh my God, it's like, I don't dare about doing that. I, I feel funny about doing that. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know what? Do you want the job? Yes or no? If you want the job, do whatever you have to do to get it. So uh, do the approach in a different way. Then again, differentiate yourself and be unique. And you know what? Follow up, follow up, follow up, and follow up because you are not their priority. There are thousands of people who want to become their priority. So it's your job to make sure that you are their priority. How? By following up following up and following up. I, I agree with you. Like, I, and that's one thing that I've learned from you in the last you know, couple of months is 
how you are so tenacious. Like you follow up until you get a no. And then if you get a no, then you move on. But if, if they didn't close the door completely, you keep knocking at the door. Yeah. I always say that if they they, they close the door, that the entrance door, what I do is like I'm going to find a way to go to that place, to, get, to enter into that place through the back window. I don't care how, but I'm going to go in. And even if I get a no, I say thank you, let's keep connected, and I will follow up in the next three months, two months, one week. So follow up, follow up, and follow up. Take risks and there, but you you have to make sure that you are different. If you are, if you think that by sending five emails you're gonna get their attention, well, my friend, you don't want that job that seriously. I don't even think people send five emails. I think they stop at one. The thing is that I've, one of the things, and I have told you this, Danielle, and I tell this to everyone: you need to have a very clear, specific, transparent goal. If you don't have a clear and specific, transparent goal, you're just gonna, by the first try, you're gonna say, you know what, they don't want me. Hey, maybe they didn't receive your email. Maybe that day their dog passed away and, and they were upset and they didn't check their emails. You don't know what's going on on the other side. That's why I'm always say, I always say, don't, don't just limit yourself to an email. Send a note, send a, a present, send something. Like, for example, Daniel knows about this. I I was trying to reach a couple of CEOs in Orlando to um, show them and, and share with them what I do with women. And what did I do? Instead of sending them an email, instead of sending them a regular letter, I sent them a box with a snow globe inside. If you want to know about the snow globe, then they have to visit <laughs> me at my website. But... I sent them a snow globe and they were so intrigued that they started calling me and connecting with me. So be different. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about point number two. Point number two, sales. You are a product. When you go to the supermarket, okay, when you go to the supermarket because you are looking for the best shampoo for your hair you see that they have like so many shelves and so many shampoos, so many bottles of shampoo. Let me ask you, each bottle of shampoo, do they come with a white paper or a booklet talking about their ingredients and what they do? No. When you see a bottle of shampoo, it only have like a sticker of like two inches by two inches. And in that space, they say, and they're very concise about what they're going to do for you and your hair. The same rule applies when you're going to sell yourself. You are the product. They're looking for the best product who can bring the best solutions to their problems. So this is what you're gonna do. Think of yourself as a bottle of shampoo and go to the website of that company, the one that you're gonna be interviewing for and find out what their, their problems, their opportunities are. And instead of selling yourself as, oh, I'm very good with social media. Well, so many people say that nowadays. Change that message and, and communicate what you do in a format of a solution. Instead of saying that you are great with social media, let them know that you're gonna be help, helping them connect with thousands of people and create fans, loyal fans. So be careful of your approach, 
First of all, of all, when you communicate what you're bringing to the table, talk about solutions, and most importantly, be concise. Sometimes women tend to add so many flowers to what they're talking about. No, 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 forget it. I need you to be concise. Think about that bottle of shampoo. One of the things I want to add to that is, so in the interview, generally towards the end, you get to ask questions. And my favorite question to, for a student to ask is for their last question to say something along the lines of, is there any particular reason why you think I might not be a good fit for that role? And so the reason why I think that's a good question is because if there is an objection, right, if there is an objection why you might not be a good fit, then you have one chance to overcome it. It's, mm -hmm. it's like sales again, but you're selling yourself. So if for one particular reason they were going to take you out, um, they're going to share with you, whether it's leadership skills, maybe not enough experience with so social media in, th in this particular example. So this is the funny part. Well, it's not funny, but it, whenever I am talking to female or women about this, asking this question, and my wife was one example, they are so hesitant to even ask this question. They are more scared to ask this question. They feel like it's out of their comfort zone. And so like my wife doesn't even ask that question. And but it's so important for them to ask that question. So how do you how do you advise women to, you know, ask for the job in the end? Then again, then again, you have your goal. Your goal is to win over those 700 people that are applying for that same position. So be blunt. Don't think about it twice. Just ask. And that question that Daniel just shared with us is great. And most importantly as well, and this is a technique that I've used when I was in the corporate world. I always have three adjectives that describe me, but most importantly, the impact that I'm going to have in that company. So, for example, I'm a great communicator. So, okay, maybe everybody says that. So, don't you, don't talk about yourself and don't, your, say, don't say, hey, I'm just a great communicator. Use somebody else to say that about you. For example, this is, uh, you have always worked in stores. You have never had um, an employment or a job in a regular corporation. And maybe you are thinking that you are not that well prepared or you cannot, you are, you are not the best candidate for that position because your entire life you have been working at the mall. But you know what you're going to do? Ask your boss at that mall, at that store, and ask that boss what does he or she thinks about your communication abilities. When you are in that interview, at the end of the interview, maybe after you ask that question, you can emphasize on that ability and say, hey, like I said during the interview, I'm going to be a key asset for your organization because I'm a great communicator and communication is key in order for a company to prosper and prevent costly mistakes. And you know what? My boss at this extor always told me that I was great with clients because I always took the time to listen to their needs and then communicate or share with them the solutions. So use always a third party to talk about you when you are in an interview process. I t you know, it is, I really believe that your resume is the most biased document in the world. It is all the good things that you've done. You, you know, it is 
people assume that you're either exaggerating or lying on your resume anyways. And so what you need to bring in, which is a really good point with Francis just shared, is others people's perspective on it. And so what she just shared is an amazing point. And if you really want to take that even further, why don't you ask your boss to write you a letter of recommendation and have them highlight your communication skills or whatever the top three skills that you want to show the employer that you possess, that you're going to be able to make an impact in that in their organization and do a leave behind. And we've, we're just joking around the, the leave behind before we started interview, um, recording the podcast. She's like, people still, I haven't heard that term in a while. And I'm like, yes, we need to bring it back. And if you could do it, if you don't know what a leave behind is, it's maybe a is anything that you can leave behind with the interviewer. And I recommend a leave behind be something as simple as your resume, your cover letter, and maybe a couple of letter of recommendations that are, were written specifically for this company, for this job. And what I would do is I would highlight the areas that I want to showcase. So that quote that Francis shared, if your boss would have wrote it in his letter of recommendation to you for this company, I would have used it and I would have highlighted that. Because then now, me saying that I'm a good communicator is like, okay, maybe, maybe she is. Everybody says that. But now you have three letters of recommendation that are all saying that you're a great communicator. Now that is a level of social proof that they cannot deny. You have to, and I always say this over and over and over, before that interview, Get out of your body. Do this exercise. Get out of your body and look at you. Look at you as a product. Don't try to sell yourself. Look at you from the outside and think about what kind of qualities and values do you bring to the table that matches or match that company's values. For example, what I always do when I'm in a selling process, whether for my company where I'm selling a product or I'm selling myself, I go to the website of X organization or company and I look at their values. I print them out and I highlight those values that match my values and what I bring to the table. So if, for example, let, let's use again the example of the communication ability. If that company, in their values, they talk about communications, highlight that and bring that to the table and show them that you did your exit, you, you did your homework, and that you found that in their values, communication is key, and that's why you could be a great asset that at the end of the day could have a major impact on their bottom line. And that's something that we need to talk about, Daniel. We need to talk about numbers. Women need to speak in numbers. And I want to go back to the resume later on. But now that we are talking about numbers, that's a critical part. Because sometimes we just talk about, oh, I'm so detail-oriented. Um, I'm very responsible. I'm always on time. Uh-huh. How does that, or tell me how those abilities and, and those qualities are going to have an impact on the financial or economic results of my company. If you are interviewing with a company, their number one focus is to make money, is to make profits. Their focus is on revenue. So you need to talk about numbers. How do you think that your abilities or what you bring to the table is going to have an effect 
on their bottom line. And let me give you an example, and don't be afraid of being bold. Let's take again the example of communication. Sir, for example, I'm doing an interview, I'm interviewing with a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Hey, did you know that companies lose thousands and even millions of dollars because of the way they communicate with their clients? Let me give you one example. Uh, the number one cause of death in hospitals, it's because there was a lack of communications probably between the doctor and the nurse. So communications kill people. It costs companies millions of dollars. I'm aware of that, and that's why I'm here today, because I want to help you prevent getting lawsuits, but most importantly, I want to help you in the communications area so that you can attract more people and increase your revenue. Why do you think uh, women don't talk about numbers as much as they should? Sometimes it's because the way we are raised. When we are kids, um, sometimes I see families raising their boys, telling them, hey, when you grow up, you're going to be the breadwinner of your, of your family. You're going to be the leader of your family. So you need to prepare yourself so that you can bring the money to the table in your house. And sometimes I see parents selling their girls that they have to be very pretty in order for them to find the most suitable husband so that they can take care of them. So this is what I'm going to tell you. And this is what I tell every single parent I meet. You women who is who are listening you women who are listening to me now probably your parents raised you to be a princess and that's fine you know what I was raised to be a princess but since very early on in my life I knew that I was in charge of creating or building my own castle I don't need a prince to 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 build my castle so I need you to be very specific when you are in that interview process and talk about numbers I, I need you to demonstrate them that women are focused or in tune with the profits of organizations. If you want to be a woman who leads, you need very early on, from very early on in your career to be able to speak in numbers. I don't care if you're going to be in communications or in human resources. If you want to be a woman who leads, you need very early on in your career to start speaking in numbers. Have the lingo, read, uh, find the CEO magazine, find magazines that talk about this, and during your conversation, during your interview, integrate those, those words are critical today as profit, revenues, innovation, growth. If you don't integrate them, you're not going to differentiate yourself from the pack. Yeah, I think it's just the key of being able to analyze the numbers and then speak about it, right? And I think, you know, that is, coming from the time that I spent in corporate America, that was always the key. Like, the people that were succeeding, that were able to get the boss's attention and get the resources behind their ideas and plans, were the people that could talk about the numbers and show what impact doing A would bring to that organization. And so I think I think you're very... You're, I mean, it's, it's amazing advice. And I mean, I have nothing else to add because you know so much about this subject and when it comes to women and speaking numbers. Let me give you an example. Just recently, I was in a conversation with a group of women 
who are in their 40s and they're top executives at these major fortune companies. And I asked them, what do you bring to the table? What differentiate yourself from the rest? And they all told me, well, I'm very trustworthy. I'm always there. I'm the first one in the office. Um, and I was like, okay, how does that have an impact in the bottom line? Talk to me in numbers. And they didn't know how to talk in numbers when they were talking about their impact to the company. So very early on in your career, you need to understand that you need, in order for you to sell yourself, you need to speak in numbers. What, how much value do you bring to the company? You need to make yourself like unique and you're going to be here in this podcast and at the end of the podcast the podcast you will notice that I repeated to be unique a thousand times and in order for you to be unique and differentiate yourself from the rest you need to sell yourself and most importantly you need to speak in numbers wow i love it okay I don't know. Let's talk about the next point. The resume. We, we yeah. need to, talk about, we need talk, to go back to the resume. Right, let's, let's talk about the resume before we move on to the next point. Yeah. Okay. okay. The resume. And this is something that I have done since I was very young, young and very early on in my career. I always have two resumes. And people sometimes say, oh my God, two resumes. If you want that job, you will do whatever you have to do in order to get it. So one resume is like the standard resume that if you put it next to another one, it's going to look identical to the other 700 resumes that the company received. So you need to create another one that is visual, that that's the one that you're going to be taking to the interview along with a piece of paper with the values highlighted of, of that, the, the values of that company highlighted. So this other second resume that you're going to bring to the table that is going to help you inspire that person to hire you, that is going to give that person the, the, the impression uh, or, or it's going to convince that person that you are unique, creative, and different, that resume has to be in a format of infographics. So go to Google and Google how to create a creative resume with infographics. That resume, that second resume, when you, when that person, that interviewer see it, he or she won't have to read it because it's going to be in, a, in graphics. People don't read. So if you have these long paragraphs of 10 lines, forget about it. Nobody, not even your mother or your father are going to read it. So you need to add graphics that would be easy to understand just by taking a glimpse at them. So for example, if you know five languages, create a pie chart and add the different languages that you know. That way that person will know immediately that you can help them expand their company, not only in the States, but abroad as well. So that resume needs to have infographics, it needs to be colorful, it needs to be to the point, like the, the sticker of the bottle of shampoo, it needs to have numbers. It needs to differentiate you, once again, from the rest. Yeah, I think what I want to add to this is you still need your typical resume because whenever you apply online, the resumes go through an ATS, which is an applicant tracking system. And ATSs are not used to reading 
we're formatted resumes. And so when you, if you were to just put your infographic resume, when you're applying for a company, your resume will automatically be kicked out and you'll never get the opportunity. So you still need your typical resume. That's what computer systems are built to crawl and, and find keywords to make sure that you're the right candidate. And you actually need to even work on making sure that your resume has the right keywords that the company that you're working for and the position that you want to work at had, are included. That is very, very important. And that is actually another episode on itself. But having a creative, very appealing infographic type of resume, anytime that you're going to be able to meet with somebody face-to-face, that you can physically hand the resume to someone, whether it's a career fair, whether it's the actual interview, whether it's a mixer or networking event, that you're handing it physically, that's not going through a computer, do a creative resume because that's going to get their attention and your resume won't get lost in the, in the stack. Yeah, this second resume is for the interview. It's when you have that person in front of you so that they can have an easier to follow through document. Um, Remember, people don't read. People only look, people scan. So if you have this second resume in the format that I'm sharing with you, you will make it easier for that interviewer to scan your abilities, to scan what you bring to the table. And Daniel, there is one question, (coughs) one tricky question that by law, listen to this carefully, by law, the interviewer cannot ask. And you as women need to be uh, need to pay very close attention to this fact. They cannot ask you your salary history. Why? Because it has been proven that because of the lack of equality on the on the pay on the um, how do you say on the on the on the pay and on the pay gap. No, let me rephrase that. It's proven that women earn less than men. That's proven. That's in every single media article. You Google that and you will find thousands of articles. So what's going on? If they ask you about your past history, probably you will you were earning less than a man. And when they're going to think about the salary they're going to give you, they're going to probably give you a lower salary than the one that they would probably give a man. So by law... The interviewer cannot ask you about your your history, your salary history. They can ask you how much money do you want to earn? And sometimes women fall in that trap and they say, oh, well, whatever you think, or or they go with the lowest number because they don't err, 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 they don't dare to ask what they're really worth. So the best answer is what's the salary that you are offering. If they're offering between 2,000 and 3,000, then let's go for the 3,000. Don't be shy. Go for the highest number. You bring great value to the table. If you don't know that, then they won't know it. So make sure that your self-esteem is in a very high top volume and that you can demonstrate that, what you are worth during the interview. But don't fall for that tricky question about your salary history. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And this is a very important topic. And this is for both men and women, but specifically for women and even minorities. But li- listen to this, right? You have to understand this. If you are forced, if they continue to ask you to say, hey, so what are you looking to make? 
never reply with a single number. Reply with a range of a $10,000 range because what that will give you is they'll start, they'll assume that you're going to be settling for the bottom of the range, but you can always have room to negotiate to the top of the range. So you're right. Try to avoid not answering it. Put the question back on them. But if they continue to push you and push you, never reply with a single number. Reply with a range because that way you have wiggle room. The other thing I want you to realize is that if you've made it that far where they're asking you about compensation, they already kind of made that decision, right? And think about what it takes to get to that decision for a company. They've had to go through 700 resumes, which is what the average amount of people that apply for an open position. Then they had to interview and if they had if they did 10 interviews and each interview was one hour that was 10 hours that is a lot of money already invested in the company so if they're already committed to you they're not gonna not give you the job for a couple of thousand dollars it's too much of a headache it's too much time wasted let alone the time that it costs the company by not filling that job right and so I'm telling you because I'm giving you from inside look from a recruiter standpoint. If they're having that conversation already, they're already committed with you. Each position, each company has a range that they can go with and de- depending on that position. Do the research first before you go into the interview. Know what the range is and put your number. Your range should be in. So let's give you an example. Let's say this communication position, the pay is from forty to $50,000. When they ask you what your range is, I would say from 48, uh, from 38 to 48, right? I would say my low end and their high end, and that way you can get, like, you're more likely to get your offer in the high end of that range. What they're gonna offer you first is the bottom number. They're gonna say, "Will you be okay with thirty thousand dollars?" That's the bottom of their range. That is what they want, but you know companies are always going to have wiggle room on that range. Yeah, and you can pay, feel comfortable about, then again, the numbers. And you can go back and answer that that statement or that offer by saying, you know what, I know what I'm bringing to the table. I know that I'm going to be giving you my best and I'm going to help you attract clients, uh, make raving fans, um, elevate or ignite your profit. So I feel more comfortable about getting that $50,000. Yeah, I, I think you need to negotiate because you have no idea how important your first compensation is because it really sets up the foundation for the rest of your career. Look, I see this happen all the time. Two students graduate with the same university, same major, same qualification. One gets a job making $30,000 a year. A second one gets a job making $60,000 a year. The difference in year one is $30,000. The the difference in year 20 is $80,000, right? And all that it was based on the decision that you did on your first job out of college. Okay. Let me tell you, let me ask you something. Do you know what's a number one question I always get asked when we are talking about an interview? What question do you think is the most I get asked by women when we are talking about the interview process? I feel like I know the answer. I think it's how to dress. Dun, 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 dun. Jackpot. That's a number one question. That's why I started talking to you gals about selling yourself, making a plan, speaking about numbers, the shampoo bottle example. 
but clothing. Okay, let me tell you something. Yeah, take over. I have nothing to add. Here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is okay. Let's take it one thing at a time. First of all, the interview is about you and what you bring to the table. It's not about what you wear. I remember my first job interview. I did not have money, so I remember that I can I mention the store? Whatever yeah, you okay. Want. I went to Walmart. I only had like $20 to buy a suit. So I went to Walmart and I bought my first suit there. Um, it was hot as hell. It was polyester. It was, oh my God, I don't know how I did not faint wearing that suit. But that's all I had. And that interview, I nailed it. Because it's not about what you wear, it's about what you bring to the table and the impact that you can have on that company and their clients and their employees. But <clears throat> women are evaluated totally different when it comes to the way they look in comparison to men. That's a fact. Um, and I always tell women that I don't like, and this is a personal, uh, personal taste, I don't like to wear either black because it looks like I'm going to a, uh, to say goodbye to someone who, who passed away. Um, I don't like to wear gray. I think that gray is a color for rats. That's the way I feel. So I always try to wear something kind of bright and solid. I don't like to wear long nails with different colors, uh, with um, bling bling on the nails. I don't like to wear um, long earrings. Those kind of things are gonna distract the interviewer from what you are bringing to the table. So go with a solid color. Don't go crazy with the perfume. Go with your nails like in a beige, regular, you know, standard color, short. I don't want to see a two, a two inches nails. It doesn't look good when someone is interviewing you. Maybe it's fashionable, but that's not you. If you are applying for a fashion company, well, if that goes, well, go for it. But if you're interviewing for a, a hospital, for a bank, for a technology company that you know that you're going to be in the computer and in the computer 24 hours a day, go looking neutral. You don't want to attract them in a way that you don't want to. Um, most importantly, most importantly, you have to understand that the person who's in front of you have had or was created with different biases in his or her mind. So always make sure that when you are selling yourself, you are making the point that you can do whatever, the, whatever it takes to help the company grow that you will do anything whatsoever, that if you have to go to a construction site, you will feel comfortable by doing so. Make sure that they understand that they are evaluating a person, not a woman, not a man, just the best candidate to help that company grow. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> I still don't. I still don't. Francis, look. I, I really can't believe it. It's been over 40 minutes now we're having this conversation. Is there any topic we have not covered that we, you want to make sure we do? Like I've been saying since the first <laughs> second, and that's 
you know my secret to success? My secret to success has always been to differentiate from the rest. I have created a company that its services and products do not exist around the world. So that's what I want you to do, woman who's, who's listening to me. Be different. Be unique. The more unique you are, the, best, the better opportunities and the better salaries you are going to get. Differentiate yourself from the rest and be unique. Francis, I cannot, cannot, cannot thank you enough. Like you, every time I talk to you, it just re-energizes me and motivates me. You lead by example. You're just an amazing individual. So happy and blessed to have you in my life. Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. Thank you. And to all of those women who are listening to us, break a leg, go out and get that dream job. Period. Go for it. But we're not done. I have one more question for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have... I always want to make sure I finish with one last question. It's every time we're going to end it the same way. There's What is one takeaway? One. I, I know you probably have a million. One. That you want the individuals listening to this podcast to, to take away from the show. Don't take a no for answer. No is the meaning, is, is the, the, the words for new opportunity. I never take a no for answer. If I have a plan, if I have a goal... I go for it. I don't allow anyone to stop me from that. But you know what? Sometimes, Daniel, you get frustrated and you get sad because you're not getting what you want. And you know what? When you find yourself like that, it's time for you to go out and dare to ask for help. People are very shy when it comes to ask other people for help. Go out and ask for help. But you know what? Once they help you, go back and be as be thankful and put the same energy that you put into asking into thanking that person. Thank a personal note. Say thank you in a very creative way. But you know what? Don't stop until you get what you want. Excellent. I, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Francis, where can the audience connect with you? Well, they can go to my website, which is W as women who lead, wholead.com. They can also call us at some... 407 704. Oh my God, I for, forgot my number. It's 407 704 2360. And you can, you can also visit me or connect with me um, through social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere, the Francis Rios. So go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Guys, you've heard it. This has been an amazing episode. I can't thank Francis enough. I can't thank you enough for listening and catch you guys on the next episode. If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career, doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.